everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz Videos. Today we're going to be talking about ballads and some of the many, many problems and issues with playing ballads. Uh, as always, this is for all instruments. I'm sitting here holding the saxophone, but this is conceptual stuff that applies to absolutely everybody, including drummers, including folks who are comping, soloing, playing melodies. This applies to everybody. Um, as always, this video is brought to you by Gonzalez Reads. I use them and I really appreciate their sponsorship. And uh, as I've said before, I'm trying to find a way to get uh, a really great source for you guys to pick up these reads yourself if you're a sax player. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right, well, uh, what I want to dig into today is uh, how people get derailed by ballads all the time. And this is one of the things that I work on in my jazz band masterclass groups. If you've seen any of the previous videos, you'll know that I do a lot of work with adult amateur musicians. Those are kind of my peeps. And I think many of you out there are those folks. Folks who maybe make your living outside music, but you're as fanatical as anybody about this stuff. And that's awesome. And so I'm very, very interested in getting you some good information, but I'm mostly interested in connecting people and getting us playing together. So here's the thing, when we start playing together, we have to be a team, right? And so when we play, uh, when we play a ballad, there's a lot of unspoken stuff. In the eight years of college and the million lessons I've done since then, I don't know that I've ever had anyone talk to me about this stuff. This is stuff that professionals sort of put together by hook or by crook through years and decades of playing. And so that's what these videos are about, is how about we demystify that stuff. It's not like some bizarre smoke that we can't talk about. Uh, th this is all things that, uh, that we can, for the most part, quantify and figure out what it is and how to practice. Yes, this is art, and there are some things that are a little trickier to talk about, but I tell you what, 70, 80% of everything out there, we can sort of talk about and analyze and decide how to practice or what to aim for, what not to aim for. That last 10 or 20%, yeah, that's tricky. Okay, so with ballads today, so here's what I wanna talk about is the feel. We talk about a ballad like that's one thing, that's crazy. There are so many feels for ballads. Even when we say it's a swing ballad, it's a Duke Ellington tune, as if that's one thing. So there is a huge uh, difference that I want to make here. And uh, by the way, I think I'm gonna do another video or even two on this huge topic. So if you've never subscribed before, please hit the subscribe button. We do a video every week. We've got, I don't know, 50 or 60 of them up by now. So uh, check those out, but the idea is you'll be notified when the next one comes out. There's definitely gonna be a part two, if not a part three to this. Um, so what I wanna tell you today is when we play a swing ballad, what do you think the eighth note feel is? Now, we know that jazz and swing has this little lope, right? <laughs> I wasn't very swinging, but I tried to overdo that triplety feel, right? That we know that swing is. So when we play a Duke Ellington ballad, I'm gonna be using In a Sentimental Mood as an example today. Uh, we would imagine that those eighth notes are swung. It's jazz, it's swing, it's Duke Ellington, right? So no, not all the time. Uh, we can play a ballad with straight eights, which may sound crazy, but 
when you think about it, when you go back and listen to your favorite ballads, and by the way, this is one of your assignments for the day, is go back and listen to some of your ballads, and I want you to start getting attuned to whether those folks, the, you know, I'm talking about the melody today, but it has to do with the comping, it has to do with the fills that the bass player plays, it has to do with the rhythms that the drummer chooses to use, and then is the band speaking the same language? So that's what I want you to be listening for. So let me play you a quick example. I'm going to play. Uh, I'm going to play two A sections of "In a Sentimental Mood," classic Duke Ellington song. Um, I'm going to play the first A section the way I'm used to hearing it and playing it. Then I'm going to play the second A section with a different feel. Let's give this a try. Two. As you listen to that, I hope it was jarring in the middle. Um, now here's the thing, I played that on the internet, like this is out there now, and that sucked. <laughs> so if you're hearing this, I didn't mean to play it like this. Okay, so the first time through, I would say I played with straight eights. That's the way I'm used to hearing that song. Um, I played... <laughs> And I really, really played straight eighths to make the example clear. I would have been perhaps a little looser than that, but I played with straight eighths, right? Did that for eight measures. Second A section, when I played the pickup the second time. I swung, and yes, I overswung, but that was textbook swing, right? So um, I would never have done that in a performance because I, thoroughly changed the feel. It was bizarre sounding to me. Maybe as a quirky effect, I would do that on occasion, and that's that's very possible. I can name players that do that, arrangers, Thad Jones, who like to insert straight inside swing and stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about, the basic feel. I hope they sounded very different to you. Perhaps you preferred one over the other. Most, I, I've never played that song with a swing feel before. I always play it straight. Many of the versions I know are straight. If I dug deeply enough, maybe there's a Duke Ellington version where they did do it in a swing way. I like it straight personally. Okay, so that's the deal. Now some ballads uh, sort of go one way or the other. How would we tell? Does it say swing ballads straight eighths? above the chart, it never says. It never gives us a clue. I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. Swing ballads can absolutely be played with straight eights, as that one was, right? Um, a song like Body and Soul can go both ways. 
straight eights. That was swung eights. And so I play body and soul differently. How do you know? Here's the thing. You don't really know. Now, historical knowledge, historical precedent. How did the guys on the five albums that you have Body and Soul on play it? How did Coltrane play it? How did Coleman Hawkins play it? So the famous albums, that's why it's so important to listen hard. And I don't mean listen while you're doing the dishes. I mean listen to the field. That's why that's your assignment right now, is to go listen to some ballad recordings and see, are they playing with a straight feel or a swung feel? Now, um, and it sort of gets co-invented by the team right now. So it's like football or soccer or whatever it is, whatever team sport. We have a plan, but as soon as one guy gets the ball and heads that direction, okay, everybody change, I guess we're going there, right? So when I count off body and soul, I don't tell the band what the feel is but I play it, and by the first two notes, three notes, as soon as I do that, the bass player, the drummer, the piano player know exactly what the rhythmic language of the tune is gonna be, those straight eights. Can we go double time at some point? Yes. Can we do all these other things? Yes, but I set it there. Now, some ballads start with a long note, and as I'm holding that long note, first melody note, I'm listening for the bass player and the piano player and the drummer to see what sort of language they set up behind me. And so we go with that. So it's pretty deep. And as I said, totally unspoken. I don't know that anyone ever taught me this. Um, but I heard it for so long. And when I started coaching groups, like I mentioned this jazz band master class and coaching... Uh, you know, university ensembles and having to work with the Allstate Big Band or whatever, I had to have some language like, man, why does this sound awful? Why is this ballad not hanging together? It was because we had four people playing four entirely different concepts at the time. And I don't just mean they were out of time, they were all playing at the tempo just fine, but how they subdivided it was a mess. That, by the way, is going to be another video coming up. So, um, that is what I want you to be thinking about. A lot of it is listening and noticing. And I guarantee there are a lot of uh, songs that you would tell me, oh yeah, that's swing. It's a swing tune. Of course they're playing swing. You'll be surprised to hear straight eighth notes. Okay? And we're going to take this a little bit deeper on the next video. So I hope that gives you an interesting way to look at ballads and why ballads are so historically hard. There's famous Lester Young stories of... Uh, you know, him talking about just how that separates the guys who know how to play from the ones that don't. I was going to say the men from the boys, but that was sexist. So instead I said the guys from, I messed it all up. <laughs> so you get what I'm saying, right? It really separates people that know how to play from people that don't know how to play. A ballad, right? It's not about wiggling your fingers or picking the next cruel note. It's about this, all this deep stuff about how we subdivide these slow tempos. So that's a huge hint for you there. So next time you're playing a ballad with your band, be listening to that. If it sounds a little messed up, maybe that's something you can talk to them about or share this video with them or whatever else, right? So I hope this is great information for you. As I said, if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Much more good stuff to come, and we're going to talk about ballads in the next video as well. Um, write me at diggingdeeper at gmail.com. Digging, sorry, diggingdeeperjazz at gmail.com. And I'd love to be in contact with you. And you know what? Um, 
I'll send you an MP3. I offered this in the last video. I'll send you a different MP3. I'll send you uh, a recording from one of my albums about 10 years ago. I did uh, Prelude to a Kiss, a Duke Ellington tune. And uh, I'd be happy to send you that MP3 if you're interested. So just get in contact with me. I'd love to learn who you are, what you're interested in, how music fits into your life. That's that's really interesting to me. And I'm I'm here to you know provide some good information for folks. And uh, and I'd love to hear back from you as to how you're finding it. So please comment, please write me, and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in.